What in the hell was that NBA basketball game we just watched? The Sacramento Kings defeat the Detroit Pistons 131 to 110 in a game where they were down by 20 early. Then they go up by 15. Then the game is tied in the fourth quarter. And then the Kings win by 21 points. Somebody stop the ride. I want to get off. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to learn more. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News, and I have that professional side right here in a in a television studio going on the air on tv and 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 i'm able to sometimes suppress that sacramento kings bias and and leave that behind with journalistic integrity right uh tonight is not one of those nights and was not one of those nights while i was watching this roller coaster of a sacramento kings game and i was probably doing what every single one of you were doing which was screaming at the tv what in the world happened in this game tonight just abnormality after abnormality with comebacks and blown leads and then a, a big result at the end a massive triple double for demonda sabonis a humongous effort uh from keegan murray one of the best shooting quarters maybe in the history of the detroit pistons only for them to completely fall apart in the most detroit pistons way so much happened in this basketball game and what's strange is i'm going to spend a good portion of this podcast, the entire first segment of this podcast, after a Kings 21-point win, I'm going to start this podcast completely in the negative. I'm going to start this podcast with what happened in that first quarter where the Sacramento Kings allowed the Detroit Pistons without Cade Cunningham to put up 47 points, nearly a 50-point quarter on their ass in the to, to start this game. I am talking about that first for two reasons. One, I am not going to allow that to get swept under the rug even in a Kings victory. And number two, it is not any more acceptable or okay that they had that first quarter just because they were able to complete the comeback and win. Now, what's crazy is compared to the Atlanta Hawks comeback win that the Kings had on the road not too long ago, this comeback is actually less of a big deal right it's not as big of a comeback as against Atlanta but it felt like it was tremendously more based off of how this game got started 47 points in the first quarter for the Pistons they shot 76 percent from the field and 70 percent seven of ten from three point range the Sacramento Kings turned the ball over five times in the first quarter De'Aaron Fox had four of them his struggles continued although he did end up putting together a pretty solid stat line, which we'll get to in the good portion of what the Kings did, to, did tonight. And I have plenty of good to say about the Kings as well coming up later on in the show. 
But I, I put out after the first quarter, I put out on social media. You can follow me on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called, at Matt George Sack. You can follow me there. And I put out a tweet after the first quarter. And I said, the Kings just gave up 47 points to the Cade Cunningham-less Detroit Pistons. Pathetic. That is the word that I used. And again, just because the Sacramento Kings completed this comeback does not make that first quarter effort any less pathetic. Now, if you go through the mentions of that tweet, you'll see a whole lot of Kings fans reacting in a very similar way to how I reacted, going, oh my God, the Kings are going to lose this game to the Pistons. Oh man, of course the Sacramento Kings are going to lose this game. This Kings team sucks. This Kings team's terrible. You're going to see a lot of Kings fan overreactions, and I'm not saying mine wasn't an overreaction to some extent. However, the pathetic element is not an overreaction. And I saw some people responding to the tweet after the game or after the Kings created their comeback going, Matt, what you, like, you got to stop reacting this way. I mean, it was such an abnormal shooting quarter for the Detroit Pistons. You knew it wouldn't last. And while I understand that to some extent, absolutely, I was not expecting the Pistons to shoot in the 70s from both the field and from three-point range for the remainder of the game. And of course, they didn't in the second quarter. The Pistons scored only 18 points after scoring 47 in the first quarter, shot 20% from the field and 18% from the three-point line. Like, I know that those shooting numbers, and I knew that those shooting numbers by Detroit, those were not going to be sustainable. Or, sure, at least, I, I, I hope to hell they weren't going to be sustainable. But this was more, and this is more, than a one-quarter issue for the Sacramento Kings. And even if I expected, maybe, uh, the, the skepticism in me expected a little bit of a slow start or a little bit of, okay, it's the Kings taking on the Pistons without Cade Cunningham. Maybe Detroit will come out with a little bit of fire and catch the Kings off guard early on. But certainly not putting 47 points on their head. This is a problem with this Kings team. Them coming out slow, them looking lethargic. They played terrible defense despite the fact that Detroit shot that well. Sure, I don't, I don't know if it's easy to make 70% of your wide-open three-pointers, but the Sacramento Kings were not helping themselves at all by putting any kind of hand in any shooter's face. Boyan Bogdanovich got everything that he wanted. You're looking at Boyan as the second-leading scorer on the Detroit Pistons. You know Cade Cunningham is out, so maybe Bogdanovich is going to be the guy that's probably going to try and score on you and establish himself early and get himself going if the Pistons want any chance. That's not a game plan. That's common sense. And yet the Kings' defense against Bogdanovich was terrible, and other Detroit Pistons players started piling on. I was listening to the insiders on ESPN 1320 today. James Hamm was laying out his keys to Kyle Madsen, his keys to the game. And his first key, I thought, was perfect by James. He said, don't give the Pistons hope. Don't give them any kind of hope in this game. What we wanted to see, especially after the Kings got their ass kicked again by the New Orleans Pelicans to end their four-game homestand on Sunday, what we wanted to see was the Kings are sending a message to the rest of the league. And to a certain extent with DeMondis Sabonis and Keegan Murray tonight, they did. But how many times have we looked at the schedule and seen the Kings be the team that a good team plays the night after they have a bad loss? And we all look at that as Kings fans and go, oh, God, here we go. The Kings are going to get absolutely worked. And Because it, it, it doesn't matter what the Kings do. This team is coming out with a chip on their shoulder. They're coming out pissed off. They're coming out 
to, to, to set things straight, to right their wrong, and to take out some aggression and frustration from that loss. That's what we were hoping that the Kings would do to the Detroit Pistons tonight. And instead, they went down by 20 points in the first quarter and gave up 47 points. The Kings gave the Pistons hope. Now, again, they ended up battling back a great turnaround in that second quarter to turn a 20-point hole into a 15-point lead. But as much as I want to credit the Sacramento Kings for their adjustments, and they did make adjustments, I don't know if Mike Brown said something. I don't know if DeMondis Sabonis said something. I don't know who it was that woke this team the hell up, but it worked. Somebody did. Something woke the Kings up, and I give Sacramento credit for that. But I also have to take into account that the Kings came back in a quarter from down 20 after giving up 47 points in that first quarter. They came back because they were playing the Detroit Pistons, who are not just one of the worst, not just the worst team in the league. As of right now, they're one of the worst NBA teams we have ever seen. So the Kings were also fortunate that they were playing the Detroit Pistons tonight. Because I don't know if the Kings have this piss poor of a start to a game tomorrow night against a Charlotte Hornets team who once again is going to be without basically everybody. That team already beat you on your home floor. So you should be looking for revenge. But even with the Charlotte Hornets being shorthanded and not very good, I don't think the Kings are coming back against them quite as easy as they were able to against the Detroit Pistons tonight. So yes, the Kings made adjustments, and I give them credit for that. But they were also playing the Detroit Pistons, who completely fell apart. Like, this is a Pistons loss that people who didn't watch the game and understand the context of the game and, and just read the fact that the Pistons blew a 20-point first quarter lead and ended up losing by 21, some people are just going to go, oh, man, the Pistons, wow, that's just the Pistons being the Pistons. They're that bad. Like, that also tells you a little bit of how this game went. This, it's not an overreaction to focus on the negative from this game and to point out how, how, how bad, pathetic, and unacceptable that first quarter was for the Sacramento Kings because it's been a consistent problem with this team. Now, what's good is, unlike some of the blowout losses, in fact, most of the blowout losses so far this season, the Kings at least didn't quit. Because down 15, down 17, down 20 early, we've seen this Kings team, unfortunately, pack it in too many times. They didn't do that tonight. So hooray, that's progress. Hooray, the Kings didn't quit against the worst team in the freaking league. Hooray. Seems like a pretty low bar to me. But that's the negative out of the way. All right, let's talk about the positive. Got to talk about DeMontis Sabonis. Talk about Keegan Murray. Talk about the Kings core four as a whole, plus some of the incredible numbers, some of the great stuff that they did, especially points in the paint. We'll get to all of that here in the next segment. Before that, though, I want to let you know that today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by our amazing local sponsor here, Sack Yard Community Tap House, located on the edge of downtown Sacramento. It's an amazing place for you to go, period. Whether you're going to watch a Kings game on one of their hundreds of TVs, they don't have that many, but it feels like they do. There's TVs everywhere you look. Whether you just want to go cheer, uh, or chill and have a beer with your friends outside, it's perfect. Their patio is available for you all year long. They have fire pits out there during the wintertime to keep you warm. During the summer, they have misters out there to keep you cool. They encourage you to bring your family by, bring your kids. They have lawn games for you to enjoy. Bring your pets as well. Your dogs are always welcome. You'll find dogs there at Sackyard 
all the time. If you haven't been to Sackyard yet, I'm going to give you a reason to go. I already hosted a Locked on Kings watch party when the Kings beat the Lakers earlier on this season. So you know what? We're doing it again. February 13th. It's a Tuesday night. Kings Suns. It's on TNT in Phoenix. I'm hosting another watch party at Sackyard Community Tap House. You don't have to buy tickets. You don't have to do anything, but grab your Kings gear, show up, have a drink, and enjoy watching the Sacramento Kings hopefully beat the Phoenix Suns again with your fellow Sacramento Kings fans. Sackyard is amazing. They have so many wonderful beers on tap, great wines for you to try, food trucks, and great community events happening there all the time. Sackyard is your home for the Locked on Kings listener. And like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Can you believe it? The NFL regular season is over, but let the playoffs begin, right? And while we don't get 49ers football this week, they earned the bye week with the number one seed. It's a good problem to have for 49ers fans out there. That doesn't mean that you can't still pass the time by betting on all the other amazing NFL playoff action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So take $5 and put it down on any game of your choice this weekend, right? Pick a game. If you think the uh, if you think the Rams are going to upset the uh, the Lions in the battle of the two uh, former quarterbacks placing uh, taking on their former teams, whatever. Pick a team, put five dollars down. If you win, great. You're already in the green. If you lose, it doesn't matter because here's a hundred fifty dollars in bonus bets for you to continue to bet on the playoffs, bet on Kings basketball, bet. On so many things like same game parlays, you can find bets in their new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. As frustrating, and it was frustrating, as that Kings first quarter was and their start to this game was, there was one man, one man who was fighting hard playing hard and giving Sacramento Kings fans something to cheer about and enjoy despite that hell of a first quarter. And that man's name is DeMontis Sabonis. Tonight, 37 points, 16 of 21 from the field, 13 assists, 10 rebounds, and three steals. That's a triple-double for DeMontis Sabonis. He passed Nikola Jokic in total double-doubles so far this season. Now remember, Sabonis led the league in double-doubles last season as well, so this is not a new thing. He's still behind Jokic in triple-doubles, but this is now nine triple-doubles on the season for DeMondis Sabonis, who somehow lost the, the Player of the Week or Player of the Month. I can't remember what it was. I think it was Player of the Week. Yeah, Player of the Week award to Alperin Shangun, who put up worse numbers. He's DeMondis Sabonis light over there in Houston, but hey, the Houston Rockets went 3-1 and one during that week, so let's give the award to Shangun, I guess. It should have been DeMondis Sabonis' award. The reality is even with De'Aaron Fox hopefully starting to work his way out of this, this stretch that he's been struggling, DeMondis Sabonis has been the best player on the Sacramento Kings for damn near a month now. He's playing unbelievable basketball right now. And in addition to him getting his numbers, right, I always talk about how much of a team player DeMontis Sabonis is. Well, check this out. These numbers from Will Z Stats. And if you don't follow Will Z Stats on social media, you need to. Will Z is tremendous. Sabonis tonight had 13 screen assists, which means he set a screen on the play that led to a bucket. Those 13 screen assists led to 28 screen assist points. So these aren't 
these aren't numbers that Sabonis is getting recognized for in a, in, in, with his triple-double, right? These are in addition to his triple-double. These are in addition to his 13 normal assists that he had, in addition to his 37 normal points that he scored. 28 other points the Kings scored in this game that Sabonis was directly responsible for, and it indirectly shows up on his stat sheet. To put that into perspective, the Golden State Warriors lead the league in screen assists per game at 11.9, and they lead the league in screen assist points per game at 27.9. Sabonis topped both of those numbers by himself tonight. He's doing it all with the points that everybody looks at, with the numbers that everybody looks at. He's doing his job with the ball in his hands, but he's also willing to put his body on the line, set screens for anybody and everybody without touching the basketball and help them get theirs as well. Just speaks to, again, the greatness of DeMontis Sabonis. And like I said, he played hard this entire game, right? At no point could we question anything that Sabonis was doing in this game. From the get-go, he was push, uh, pushing the tempo. He was trying to play aggressive. He was trying to play with energy and effort. That doesn't mean he played perfectly. I'm sure he had his fair share of defensive breakdowns as the Kings' entire defense was a breakdown in that first quarter. But I'm looking at the other four starters, and I'm going, is somebody going to help Sabonis out? Sabonis, is, he had literally blood drawn. He was bleeding on the floor, which caused like a two or three minute delay while they cleaned it up. Sabonis is bleeding. He's doing literally everything for the Sacramento Kings in that first quarter. And the rest of the starting lineup, nowhere to be found, right? A terrible effort from them once again. And the Kings went back to their starting lineup that they've had for much of this year with Kevin Herter being out. Now, I thought Kevin Herter ultimately, I think he only scored like four points or something like that. Herter ultimately had a decent game. He's finished with, I think, five rebounds, five assists, something like that, and made some good decisions. So Kevin Herter had a fine game. Harrison Barnes played like 12 minutes, had a super short leash because he was terrible again, had zero points playing tonight, made zero positive impact in this game whatsoever, which unfortunately we can say far too many times about HB. But Sabonis was there to, I mean, the Kings were lucky to only be down 20 points, and that was because of DeMontis Sabonis. If Sabonis struggles tonight, the Kings are down by 30 probably before the first quarter is over, and then maybe they really quit when they get to that point. But Sabonis fought the entire time, and that's who he is. He fights all the time, regardless of the circumstance, a, a Tuesday night game in Detroit. He's going to fight hard. He's going to play hard. And the Kings rode that to an unlikely victory tonight, at least unlikely based off of that first quarter. Keegan Murray then woke up. So, Keegan had an, a tremendous second quarter. For the game, he finished with 32 points, 13 of 17 from the field, 5 of 9 from three-point range, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks, and 1 steal. What a freaking stat line for Keegan Murray tonight. An uber-efficient shooting night for Keegan Murray. He got going in the second quarter as the Kings started to get going in the second quarter. He really carried the Kings with that comeback. Sabonis so kind of righted the ship, and then Keegan began that comeback in his second quarter. He scored 13 points, went 6 of 7 from the field, and had 2 blocks in that second quarter. Now, I think this number is important. This number is not directly correlated to Keegan Murray alone, but the Sacramento Kings had 13 fast break points in the second quarter. They got stopped. They finally got out and started running, and Keegan Murray had a majority of his points scored in transition in that second quarter. The team as a whole got back to how they want to play basketball, right? When the Kings get stops and get in the open court, they're a terrifying team that nobody, even the best defensive team in the league, wants to face. 
And Keegan Murray seems to thrive in that kind of transition, fast break offense. He got himself going, and for the rest of the night, he was red hot. This was a third star showcase game for Keegan, right? This is why, whether, I don't think he has to remind Monty McNair in the Sacramento Kings front office. I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that the Kings aren't considering trading Ke uh, Keegan Murray by any means. I wouldn't label him as untouchable, but probably as close to untouchable as you could possibly be because the Kings would trade Keegan Murray for Giannis or some ridiculous superstar if they got the opportunity to, which of course is not going to happen. That's not realistic. This is Keegan Murray reminding the Kings. This is Keegan Murray reminding the rest of the league. And this is Keegan Murray also reminding the Detroit Pistons, who celebrated, celebrated when Sacramento took Keegan four to allow Jaden Ivey to fall to five. They celebrated Keegan being drafted by the Kings. So he goes up, he, he puts 32 points on their ass in a super efficient night, which makes it ex extra sweet because Jaden Ivey didn't play as well. Now, I thought Jaden played decent, had 22 points, six assists, five rebounds, a couple of steals. I think he did turn the ball over like four times or something like that, but I'm not really going to hold that against him. Jaden, he's on a terrible team, probably not how he wanted his career to start. I, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for almost every player in that Detroit Pistons organization, and I say almost because there's one player that you probably know that I don't feel too bad for. Ah, that's not true. I feel bad for him. I don't feel bad for his family. I'm talking about Marvin Bagley. Who is a DNP tonight, by the way? Marvin Bagley can't even get into a game when the team is shorthanded in a blowout win slash blowout loss because it felt like it was both. Meanwhile, Trey Lyles, who the Kings traded Bagley for, in addition to Dante DiVincenzo, uh, he played 32 minutes tonight. Yeah, exactly. Tells you everything you need to know about the Detroit Pistons and that Bagley situation. But... Keegan puts together an amazing performance like this and reminds the Sacramento Kings, yeah, bet on me, right? I know you're looking for help right now, and the Kings need to go find help right now in the trade market. But still bet on me as your third star. Don't be trading me for Pascal Siakam or anything like that, which the Kings were not, of course, going to do. Let's talk about De'Aaron Fox. 26 points, 10 of 19 from the field. Also hit four three-pointers, four assists, and two steals. He still doesn't look right, right? He's way too loose with the basketball. He's turning the ball over way too much right now. But you've heard a lot of people talk about this or comment on this, and the eye test tells you everything you need to know. Fox looks banged up. He looks hurt. Now, I'm not trying to make an excuse for him because he's not making an excuse, and ultimately the Sacramento Kings are saying that he is okay to play. So if he's okay to play, then he's okay to play. We know Fox has made a career out of playing through injuries. Fox has played banged up basically every single season. He gets beat up. That's just the way he plays. But he's he's clearly not right right now. Now, the good thing is that Demonis Sabonis is there to kind of carry the Kings through and has carried the Kings through the last nearly a month, certainly the last couple of weeks, while Fox has been struggling. And De'Aaron is not looking at Sabonis with any kind of jealousy in his heart, right? Sabonis is now surpassed him on the MVP ladder in the NBA. Not that it matters because neither of them are going to win it. We know this. But Sabonis has kind of taken control and taken over to lead this team right now. He's been the best player for the Kings for quite some time while Fox is trying to figure it out, which to me I think is a load off of De'Aaron's shoulders. He ne needs to play better. The Kings know he needs to play better. He knows he needs to play better. But here is Fox in a situation where he can be hurt or he can be struggling. He can go through a slump and he can have a superstar center next to him who can take on the load as well as a player like Keegan Murray or his teammate uh, and, and best friend in, in, in Malik Monk 
who can also take some of that slack off of him while he figures it out. That's a team right there. And finally, I'll mention Malik Monk, too, because he had 20 points tonight, 9 of 15 from the field, 9 assists, 2 blocks. Crazy enough, Malik Monk leads the team in blocks. He's number 1, Sabonis is number 2, and JaVale McGee is number 3. I don't think that's a good thing. <laughs> in fact, I know that's not a good thing, right? Malik blocks more shots than I expected him to. He's also crazy athletic and has ridiculous hops, so maybe that's the reason why. But the Kings probably need some more rim protection help if Malik Monk is your leading shot blocker. But look at the Kings' core tonight. 37 for Sabonis, 32 for Keegan Murray, 26 for De'Aaron Fox, 20 for Malik Monk. That is a freaking core right there. Unbelievable numbers. Unbelievable numbers from your core four. Now let's talk about the four or, or, or some other stuff here really quick. The other things that went right for the Kings in this game. The Kings held the Pistons to 15 points in the fourth quarter, right? We talked a lot about the first half of the Kings going down 20 and then building up a 15-point lead. They ended up blowing that 15-point lead. The Pistons came back to tie the game early in the fourth quarter. From that point on, the Kings stepped on the gas. They closed this game out, ended up winning by 21, and held Detroit to 15 points in the fourth quarter. You love to see that regardless of how good or bad the opponent you're facing is. The Kings dominated points in the paint in this game. They absolutely destroyed in the paint. 82 points in the paint, which is a season high. I don't know if that's a franchise record or not. I haven't seen anything about that. I don't think it is. But 82 points in the paint tonight to 46. 46 for Detroit to 82 for Sacramento. The Kings only took 33 threes. It was great to see the Kings put up 131 points without being uber-reliant on the three-point shot. Now, offensively, they were struggling in the first quarter because that three-point shot wasn't falling, so they got the ball to DeMontis Sabonis on the inside. He attacked the basket. He got guys in foul trouble, opened up spacing a little bit, and the rest of the Kings followed suit, got to the basket, and had their way down low, which is what you'd love to see. The Kings had 24 fast break points in tonight's game. When the Kings get out in transition, good things happen. Now, the Kings need to create stops and grab rebounds in order to get out in transition. So there's a precursor there. But they were able to do that tonight. When they get out and run, they look great. They also scored 24 points off of 21 Detroit Pistons turnovers. And finally, the Kings had 39 assists as a team. That is Kings basketball. And that is what I wish I could start my podcast on and talk about a lot. And technically, I could. But that first quarter, we got to get rid of that first quarter. Because this, those numbers right there, I'm not saying the Kings can do that every single night, but that should be the identity of this Kings team. And far too often lately, we're questioning what the identity of this team is because the offense is taking a step back and the defense is still coming along too slow. Some of you Kings fans might need to see a therapist or at least talk to somebody after that emotional roller coaster that the Kings put you on tonight. And really the roller coaster that they've put you on so far this season. Now, I'd make a joke about therapy, but in reality, therapy is nothing to joke about. Mental health is very, very serious, and therapy is something that I swear by. Therapy is something that I encourage everybody to give a try, no matter how big or small your issues seem to be to you. Therapy is something that I started doing, uh, and I started seeing a therapist during the pandemic, and it has completely helped change my life. I truly mean that. It's helped me tackle different issues better, become an overall better person, better husband, better father, better uh, employee at work, better coworker to my colleagues. In so many ways, therapy has helped me unpack things that I didn't realize I needed to unpack. And we all have that baggage weighing us down. If you're thinking about giving better help a try and you're thinking about starting therapy, 
BetterHelp is the right route for you. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. Now, that's a big deal because so much about having a successful therapy uh, journey, I suppose, is about having the right therapist to help lead you along in that journey or at the very least come with you, right? My therapist, TJ, is someone that I trust completely, a complete professional. He makes fun of me and makes fun of the Sacramento Kings anytime that he he gets, but in the best way possible, like he is that, that, that figure needed in my life to help me unpack and deal with certain things like this. You have to establish that connection with your therapist or it's just not gonna work, right? BetterHelp lets you figure out and find that right therapist without charging you and making it more difficult for you than it has to be. Celebrate the progress that you've already made here this year in 2024 and in your life to this point and tackle those things that are still holding you down. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. For a second, I thought this was going to be the only positive thing that I had to talk about in tonight's podcast. Well, thankfully, the Kings gave me a little bit more. But off the court, the Sacramento Kings were acknowledged by the NBA and won two pretty significant awards. They won the NBA Team of the Year Award by the NBA, and they were awarded with the Team Innovation Award. Now, we'll start with that one first. The Kings won the Team Innovation Award for the beam, right? The beam that... that, that took the, the world by storm, the marketing opportunities with the, the NBA and the, the Kings organization and just like how it's, 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 it's grown here locally and, and changed the way we look at the team, right? The Beam has been great for us in that sense, but the, the Beam has also become kind of a, a, a phenomenon around the league, right? So many different teams wanting to light the Beam against the Kings or, or put the Beam out. How many teams do we see Photoshop their own Beam every time they would beat the Sacramento Kings? Other fan bases talking about and mentioning the beam, mostly in a negative way, right? The beam was fantastic, and it won the Team Innovation Award, so congratulations to them for that. But listen to all these reasons in addition to the Kings finally making the playoffs, having all the wins that they had last season, being arguably the most fun NBA team to watch last year. These are the reasons why the Kings off the floor won that NBA Team of the Year Award. They had a nearly 100% season ticket renewal rate. So if you had season tickets, almost everybody came back. That's pretty incredible. They were ranked second in overall ticket revenue growth. Now, of course, the Kings took advantage of the team being better and raised the prices a little bit. Hard to blame them for that. But Kings fans helped the Sacramento Kings and the NBA ultimately make money by paying that price to go and see the Beam team in action. The Kings also, or should I say Kings fans, also got their money's worth because they were ranked first in fan in-game experience. Game viewership on TV for Sacramento's broadcast was up 200%, including post-game being up 177%. They were the most watched, or they had the most watched first-round playoff game in 24 years. I don't know if that was game one or game seven, but one of those games was the most watched first-round playoff game in 24 years. And on top of that, this speaks to my station here at ABC10 that broadcasted some of these games ABC's largest ever audience for a non-finals game was the Kings game this past season. That's pretty awesome. In addition to that, of course, we know how directly involved the Sacramento Kings are in their community with their amazing events that they do. The Kings hosted over 100 community events impacting nearly 100,000 people. 
So congratulations to the Kings organization for the turnaround for this amazing year, of course, that they've had uh, and for, uh, for winning those well-deserved awards. All right, let's get back to Kings basketball now, the present and hopefully the future for the Sacramento Kings. If you aren't watching The Run, which is the, uh, the Kings produced like docu-series, behind-the-scenes look at, at their season, right? I highly encourage you to go and, and check it out, not just because I, I make some sneak appearances in that show, but it's amazing, right? I love it. It's, it. It gives you an incredible view inside what the Sacramento Kings are doing. I hope this game tonight is featured on a future episode of The Run, right? And I have this in my head. My, my TV producer brain is working right now because I'm thinking, okay, the Kings have all these struggles, the, 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 the episode begins with that disappointing blowout loss to the, to the New Orleans Pelicans to end the homestand. Then you go on the road and you see the Kings getting their butt kicked in the first quarter in Detroit. And all of a sudden, cue the triumphant music. Demonis Sabonis, Keegan Murray, and the rest of the Kings make an incredible comeback to win that game by 21 points. And that starts a montage of the next 5 or 10 or 15 or whatever games until the All-Star break and beyond where the Sacramento Kings suddenly wake up and become that great team that they're trying to become, or they look certainly uh, significantly better, and they go on a big winning streak, or they win a, a vast majority of their games going forward. I would love to see that montage, right? Hopefully this game is that wake-up call for the Kings. And hopefully this is the first time that the Kings are going to win both games of a back-to-back. -back. They have the Hornets in Charlotte tomorrow night. After that, doesn't get easy. They got the 76ers, the Bucks, and the Phoenix Suns on the road. All those games on the road to end this five-game road trip before the Kings return home. Their first home game is against the Indiana Pacers. Unfortunately, Tyrese Halliburton suffered an injury. It doesn't look like Tyrese is going to be available to play, which is, I mean, it's a bullet dodge for the Sacramento Kings, but it sucks for all of us who just love to watch Halley play. But, of course, we'll have a Locked on Kings podcast for you, a post-game podcast after tomorrow's hopefully Kings win over the Charlotte Hornets, but regardless of the result, we'll have another podcast for you here uh, on the Locked On Podcast Network. In addition to that, I have more great podcasts coming up as we dive deeper into trade rumors and trade season, right? I'm going to be joined by Kyle Madsen from The Insider, ESPN 1320. He has connections with both the Golden State Warriors and the Sacramento Kings. Kyle and I are going to discuss at detail the Kings and Warriors as potential trade partners, and if the Kings can find a way to get Moody or Kaminga here in Sacramento, we'll discuss that. I also have been having conversations with our friends over at the Locked On Nets podcast. I would love to find a way to have a, a serious discussion about the Kings making a massive play. And I mean massive because it's probably going to cost two or three first round picks minimum to get McCall Bridges here to Sacramento. That would be a dream target for, I think, a lot of you Kings fans. Hopefully a discussion and a podcast about that coming up. And now that, unfortunately, John Morant is out for the remainder of the season, the Memphis Grizzlies are basically dead in the water. Does that mean Marcus Smart could be available? A discussion around Marcus Smart and if the Kings should go and make a play for that. So those are all conversations that I'm going to have in the very near future here on the Locked on Kings podcast. So keep an eye and an ear out for that. For right now, we are done. Thank you so much for supporting uh, this podcast. Almost as great and almost as loyal as you are supporting the Sacramento Kings. It means the world to me, uh, and I, I truly appreciate it and cannot express it enough. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.